Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Transport yourself back in time and explore the fascinating and harrowing story of the Titanic's maiden voyage. Now open at COSI. Don't miss Titanic, the Artifact Exhibition. This epic exhibit features over 200 authentic artifacts recovered from the ocean floor. Discover poignant passenger and crew accounts and majestic recreated interiors, including the iconic Titanic Grand Staircase. Tickets for Titanic, the Artifact Exhibition are on sale now. Book your voyage at COSI.org. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Podcast that knows no limits and no bounds other than those we put on ourselves and those imposed by the SEC. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of MazeandBrew.com. Andy, you young Auburn Al Pacino. How you doing, brother? Jared, you covetous Jawa. It's good to see you, my friend. How dare you, sir? It is good to see you, my friend. This is a good, great episode, dare I say, this week. So I am super excited to be here and talking some Michigan football with you. And a little bit later, someone who, as much as I love you, uh, I think I hold in higher esteem than even you. Yeah, I mean, the Kurt Russell of Michigan swagger. I mean, the man just is walking charisma. Uh, The myth, the legend himself, Desmond Howard, joins us here. So stick around for the main event of this this podcast. It was just a real treat to have him back here with us. Absolutely. The Kurt Russell of swagger is absolutely well put. I mean, that dude's just exudes charisma, uh, pure class. Had a great conversation with him. We will get to that in a minute. Got a couple quick hits before we get into that interview. Uh, Let's start here with some basketball, and then we'll focus primarily on football as we are nearing. I mean, we're in week zero technically right now. We've got football on Thursday, so we're going to talk about some of those games. But first, let's talk about uh, men's basketball. Currently uh, globetrotting around. They are over in Greece as it stands right now. 
lost to Province 86-68 the other day, uh, then turned around and uh, defeated Olympicos, the Greek team, 95-62. to This is an awesome experience for these guys. I didn't even really hear much about it until they were over there doing it, but getting to go see like the Pantheon and, and getting to travel around Greece and then to play against professional teams of 30-year-olds, like this is awesome, awesome experience for a team that is extremely uh, unfamiliar with themselves, we'll say, outside of Dickinson and, and Terry Two Sticks. A lot of new faces here. So this is a great, great experience for those guys. Yeah, this is massive. This is like a nice preseason where you're, where you're playing against higher level of competition, teams with a higher level of chemistry. You're probably going to lose, but you're going to learn a lot more about yourself, your teammates, all this time to bond, isolated together in a foreign country. You know, I can't, I didn't, I don't know how this slipped past our radar that this trip was happening in the spring, like when it was announced, but it did. And you know, this is a just a master stroke by Jawan Howard and his staff to really expedite the process of these guys getting familiar with each other and learning more about each other on and off the court. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we were probably just focused on football coming off a Big Ten championship, True. which is not understandable. I'm going to go ahead and give us a pass on this, but this is great. I mean, especially this year, like I mentioned, just a lot of new faces. Everyone is with the team. Uh, Yusuf Kayat and uh, Joey Baker have yet to take the floor, but everybody else has. Uh, Dickinson getting like some limited minutes based on what I can see, but Jalen Lewen absolutely balling out in game one in the loss to Province. Uh, Dickinson and Lewen each had 15 points Dickinson Dickinson with 10 rebounds Lewen with seven assists and I would say that I mean it's obviously super early that is pretty indicative of what I would expect as far as who's running the offense who the offense is running through would you agree that it's going to be those two Absolutely. And you can see the clips. Llewellyn is a playmaker and shot creator and one of size that Michigan has not had in several years. So the high pick and roll with those two is going to be just deadly, whether it's a roll or a pick and pop. I uh, said this to you off air the other day, and I don't think it's even that bold of a claim. He's likely going to be, I mean, obviously we need health and some other factors uh, to take into consideration there, but he's likely going to be the best point guard we've had since Trey Burke. I mean, he's really competing with Xavier Simpson, aka Jeff Jackson, for that second role, but I could easily see him being a more impactful and... Uh, just like a better floor general the, the size is clear like the fact that he's going to be able to get to the rim can see over some smaller defenders like I'm really really high on him leading the, the point of attack yeah I feel very confident in his entire offensive skill set but it remains to be seen what he's like on the defensive end but I imagine a player of like his caliber where he came from being a high four-star recruit playing at Princeton that he is more than apt on defense as well yeah, uh, also worth noting, Isaiah Barnes, four of five from three on the trip so far. Isaiah Barnes, a guy that we didn't talk about a ton, but if this dude at his size is hitting from the outside, like, hold on a second, like, that might be a guy. Exactly, and like, Kobe Bufkin's still getting used to like the extra weight he's carrying around as well. So, I mean, there's a lot to learn from this trip, but it's just, it's just great experience because instead of having the first month of the season like they did last year to go through this process, they're doing it all in July and August. So they're like really getting it out of the way. So by the time the season actually tips off, they're going to be well-rounded. Yeah, uh, guys like Doug McDaniel really showing out, who's a guy that we did not 
speak on, like didn't think we were going to see a ton of him. I'm hearing some prognosticators thinking that he could actually share the floor and you could move Luen over to the two guard. I don't know if I'm there on that yet. Uh, Joey Baker is not really playing with this team and, and Kobe Bufkin, I still think could play the two, but it's interesting that they think Doug McDaniel's really starting to, to show out this early as well. So, I mean, he's, he's small. He's only like five, nine. That's a small guy, but electric. Yeah, very electric. I like Lewin like running with the ball. Uh, Buffkin at six four, I like well, like way much, way better at the two. Um, yeah, I think Lewin needs to have the ball. The f- first game, fifteen points, shot over forty two percent from three, and seven assists to two turnovers. I mean, just first game like that—that's nuts. And these are against teams that have been playing together for a while, and the guys on the province squad are like thirty year old professionals. So that is not nothing. Um, also worth mentioning, Jet Howard really, uh, really showing out. He shot 50% from three. He was a uh, second leading scorer against the Olympicos with 16. This guy, I mean, it's right up there with Caleb Houston for the sweetest looking stroke that we've had at Michigan. I mean, I love the way this ball comes off of his hand. Yes, and unlike Houston, he plays a lot more aggressive and intuitively, so it doesn't seem as mechanical out there. So really encouraging signs from Jet Howard, even as a freshman, which is just insane. Like This team could have a freshman rotation of two or three or maybe even four guys at times. I mean, he's not going to get to this level, but he reminds me of Carmelo Anthony at Syracuse. Like, I I get how good Carmelo Anthony was, number two overall pick. It's not going to get that high, but just like the fluidity, the way the shot looks, the way that he can get his own shot, he can shoot up over people, like his release is high. I mean, Jed Howard, man, climbing, climbing for me as far as players I'm excited to watch. Yeah, he had a really good podcast with uh, Brian Bush on the uh, the Michigan Sports Network, and <clears throat> really talked about how he almost went to Tennessee and what he had to learn about like, like with coming to Michigan, earning your keep, and everything like that. So I know very encouraged from everything I've heard about him, and the fact that he got the start in his first game out there as a freshman overseas is very encouraging. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they split up these minutes. I can't wait for that season to get here. But we've uh, we've got some stuff to keep us busy in the meantime. So no need to, to rush all the way to late October, early November just yet. Uh, we've got we've got some great football uh, right ahead. But man, this is going to be a fun team right up there with most excited I've been for a team under the uh, Juwan Howard era. So I, I'm definitely going to go check out at least one game this year. Yeah, absolutely. You and I talked about doing the uh, the double double weekend, like catching a basketball ga- or a hockey game on a Friday night at Yost, and then a Saturday in uh, Chrysler. So, I'm I'm looking. I already have some dates in mind, so we'll see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've already got the double double uh, Michigan Michigan State, and then Detroit Lions uh, Miami Dolphins. Yep. So, I mean, this is uh, this is gonna be a big sports year for us, man. I'm uh, I'm starting to get excited. Still down in Panama now, but. I'll uh, I'll be returned and fully locked in by then. And yeah, I mean, I'm starting to feel it in my plums. (laughs) Don't plan any trips overseas or to Grenada or anywhere else like that. The week of the Big Ten Championship, please. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's this small festival in Sri Lanka I was thinking about (laughs) jetting over to. But I think you're right. I think I'm going to stick it out this time. I think uh, think, uh, you taught me last year that having a a trip planned three days after Michigan-Ohio State game really wasn't the, the best forecasting (laughs) well you you learned that's all that matters you learned a lesson and now you know we can move forward and grow (laughs) absolutely (laughs) speaking of growing 
that's not really a great chance transition. I don't even know what I'm going to say to follow <laughs> that up because I don't know how you grow on uh, on what he did last year. But Jake Moody is a preseason All-American, the only preseason All-American on the Michigan team, which seems about right when you look down the list. And like I wanted to find a way to get Eric All or Mozzie Smith on there, but there's some absolute studs uh, that they're just behind. But Jake Moody feels right as a preseason All-American. Yeah, let's just Brad Robbins was robbed. We'll put it out there. But uh, yeah, Jake Moody at kicker has to be the choice. The defending Lou Groza award winner. Uh, if he has another season, even close to last year, he'll leave Michigan as the best place kicker ever in program history. So now well-deserved. I expect him to live up to it. Who do you think is next closest to breaking onto that list? Olu Olu, the team at center. I like that. I was going to say Mozzie Smith, but he's behind some absolute monsters at Clemson and Georgia and Brian uh, Breeze and I think it's Jalen Wilson taking over for Jordan uh, Davis. Yeah, yeah, I I forget the names. I'm I'm not a Georgia pundit, so it's not my job to know them. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be the offensive line if it's not Olu or you could even like if you want to get crazy and say like if Donovan Edwards really hits this year, somebody like that or Ronnie Bell. But I feel like the safer bets are on the offensive line. Right, yeah. Coming in, you can't put Ronnie Bell like above no. Jordan Addison going to USC. Like that's as much as we love Ronnie Bell here, and we're going to talk about him with uh, a Michigan legend here shortly. Uh, I, I can't quite move him up there. So this feels right, um, yeah. and this matters not. I, I'm interested to see who ends up on this list. So preseason stuff, it doesn't really matter. Just we got to give our boy some love, Jake Moody, man. So great to have special teams just be something that we don't need to talk about because we don't need to worry about it. No, it's such a luxury to have because like I always say, never forget the Chargers team. I think it was 09. They were number one in the NFL in offense and defense, but missed the playoffs and they were dead last in special teams. It matters. I I certainly remember that. That was one of the more extreme examples. But, I mean, ask any coach worth their salt that they say all three phases. They don't say both phases of the game. It is all three phases of the game. And I think we're going to be really good in that third phase this year. And Jake Moody, Brad Robbins, both of them, big part of that. Um, All right, uh, some NIL news that was really making its way around Twitter last night. I'm pretty sure every player on the team retweeted it. Uh, According to their website, the Ann Arbor NIL Club basically is going to be offering exclusive content, including a meet and greet for uh, and to members who commit five dollars or more per month. Um, This money is going to go almost exclusively to the students Um, as far as like what you get from that. There's like a lot of different um, um, gifts that you can redeem depending on the amount of money that you contribute. I haven't done it yet, but it looks like at the time of recording this on Tuesday, they're already well over $10,000 raised in the first day. So, I mean, nothing new here. Uh, Michigan fans care about their team and have one of the most, uh, the deepest of, of alumni bases and supporters. I'm still waiting for them to get back to me. I've reached out to the athletic department. Um, since I don't have a lot of money to give away, I asked about blood Mm-hmm. Um, still waiting to hear, you know, uh, other bodily fluids, kidneys, you know, lesser extremities, pinkies, uh, if they need to just sew one on somewhere, I'm willing to give that. So trying to, you know, make a difference out here for these young men. Sure. And, uh, we appreciate you for it. I tried to donate a le- a knee to Ronnie Bell last year and no one ever got back to me on that one. Uh, and eventually they said, please stop calling, uh, which I understand. <laughs> 
which I understand. Uh, we, we, the technology isn't there yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is something that for those of you that want to feel like you're directly contributing to the NIL, uh, this money is going to go primarily to the student athletes. So, I mean, it's cool. I'm not going to hate on something that is moving the NIL in the right direction for Michigan. Facts. This I don't think this is the end all be all, but it's a step. You're 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 at least trying to make progress and just seeing the efforts like this and getting fans and people involved is a great sense of community to be like this is our team. We can directly contribute to help them out. So I love that sense of like building it around them. So no, man. Great step in the right direction. Anything is positive just to help catch us up in the NIL department, especially after Juwan Howard's critical comments a few weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something uh, that we discussed uh, briefly as well with Desmond Howard here in a moment. Uh, Just the NIL, something that we're still kind of figuring out. I think the entire college football landscape is still trying to figure out what it is going to end up being ultimately is not what it is right now. So I think this is pretty cool. And like, this is a way that you can help the players that are currently there. And like, I think some people were a little bummed because they want to just be doing the pay to come to Michigan thing. I I'm actually all right with Michigan, not going all the way in on that, but there needs to be a middle ground there because five stars are just going to take that money. If, if offered, I mean, you would too, if you were 17, 18 years old and Oregon's like, all right, you know, they may give you money there at Michigan, but here's $2 million right now. Like that's tough to turn down. So, but I mean, at the same time, that is really, really opening yourself up for, for a whole mess of other problems. Yeah, you and I have talked about the pendulum swinging back and it's going to, and we've honestly been in favor of Michigan's slow approach to this. And as they continue to progress and progress, I feel like we're kind of being rewarded for like sticking it out and doing things this way instead of just a straight up pay for play as you see at places rumored to be at USC and others. Yeah, USC, Oregon, Texas A&M being the ones that really stand out. Um, And it's not just because their recruiting is doing well. It's like, wait a minute, that guy didn't even have Oregon listed as one of his top schools. And all of a sudden he's going to Oregon. Like, what is that all about? And then you connect the dots, Phil Knight, Nike. I mean, I, I've been through that part of Oregon. There's nothing near Eugene. There's oh, nothing. The Eugene sucks. A lot of hippies. <laughs> That's all it is. That's what I feel like. Every time I go, I'm like, you you pay me to live here. Like Ann Arbor, I want to live in Ann Arbor. It's beautiful. Yeah, I did go to school in Boulder, Colorado and uh, plenty of hippies there. But at the same time, you know, there's other things going on. There's nothing else in Eugene. No, it's it's it sucks. I'll just flat out say it. Boulder's fun. Boulder's a great time. I'll be in Denver next week and in the area. So it's a wonderful place. No, you you have to pay kids to go to Oregon. Let's just be real. (laughs) Catching strays. Oregon catching strays for no reason. I mean, they did us a solid last year and beating Ohio State too, but hey, it is what it is. Yeah. What have you done for me lately? Updated this offseason. <laughs> oh man. Uh all right, let's uh let's talk real quick. Home field apparel, the uh just the the constant in our lives. They cover me uh as far as my wardrobe pretty much 320 days out of the year. I would say, I mean, I can't say every day there's things like church and weddings and, and I have to go to work, but other than that, (laughs) but other than that, I'm wearing home field apparel nearly every day and they've got you covered old school, new school designs, any college football team that you could want, any design that you could want, go check them out on homefieldapparel.com. It's hoodie weather right around the corner. I'm down in central America, so I'm rocking the t-shirts still, but I'll be back up uh, amongst the faithful soon enough and it'll be hoodie weather time, go to homefieldapparel.com. You can get 20% off your first purchase with the code MNB. 
All right, brother. Uh, this was the moment. This is the crux of the podcast. This is what we did. We didn't even know when we started doing this six years ago that this would be the kind of thing that we were engaging in. But nonetheless, uh, we were beyond fortunate to, to get Desmond Howard to come talk football with us again. Uh, got 15 minutes with him and 15 minutes with the legend is, is you know, is, is worthy of a lifetime for me. Exactly. If that feels short. We've only been talking for just over 15 minutes now. So we really got through five or six great questions. He's very loquacious, very giving, and uh, it was an honor to have him. Absolutely. So here is that interview with Desmond Howard right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Singh, we are pleased to welcome our next guest. Does not do it justice. We are honored to welcome our next guest. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, today we have Heisman winner, All-American, Super Bowl MVP, Maxwell and Walter Camp Award winner, all-around Michigan legend, and good dude, Mr. Desmond Howard. Mr. Howard, thank you, sir, for taking the time once more. Well, first of all, thank you for that wonderful introduction. I greatly appreciate that. And thank you guys for spending your morning with me. So I appreciate the time, buddies. <laughs> no place we'd rather be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, sir. We are we are great, great to have you here on the verge of another college football season. And yeah. uh, can't wait to talk some Michigan football with you, sir. So we got a couple questions we wanted to throw your way if you are ready. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's go. All right. Question number one, sir. The college football landscape has arguably shifted more in the past two to three years than it has over the course of its history. What would be right. one change that you would implement to help either steady the ship or even fix, in air quotes, college football to produce a product that the majority of college football fans would both recognize and appreciate? Well, I would think that the, the, the two biggest issues right now, you asked you ask for one, I would say the transfer portal. Um, I would do something to to uh, to correct that, uh, maybe make it uh, where you put a date on it, where there's a cutoff date and guys just can't hop around. And so that, that you know, it, it helps the coaches too. And I think it helps the fans because, you know, when a guy <clears throat> is at your school and, you know, you're looking forward to, to rooting for him. And then the next thing you know, you check the roster, he's not there anymore. He's in a transfer portal, you know, just does something to the fans. And, um, you know, this, this sport is driven by the fans i mean the college football fans are like probably the most unique fans in, in in any sport you know the way they drive the um the way they drive the sport so i would say probably i would do something to try to tweak the transfer portal um so it's not you know it's not used so much as free agency but at the same point at the same time you want to do something that um that is going to probably resemble free agency because it is what it is at this point but you need you need some sort of cutoff date, so you need more of a structure to it. So then it, it benefits not only the players, but it helps the coaches too. I mean, when I spoke to coaches preparing for the NFL draft back in like um, March, like one of the top two issues that they would bring up unsolicited, like I wouldn't ask them, like they would just start talking about this transfer portal and how you know they have to re-recruit their players and. All sorts of stuff. So um, it's something that's on the forefront of the minds of not only the fans, but also the coaches. I think it says a good thing about Michigan's culture, the fact that they didn't have any freshmen from the 2021 class transfer out of the team. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> that is big. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head with that. It says a lot about their culture. You're right. All right, Desmond, next question. You spoke on College Football Live about the overall quality of this wide receiver group. Is there another player in this group or among all the pass catchers on this team in general that you see star potential in? Or would you say the strength is more similar to the defense where it's built on its collective and not individual stars? 
Yeah, I like I like the latter of the two points. I think the collective because they have it's like a wide range of different talents, but all of these guys to me can be contributors offensively, and they all bring you know different skill sets, unique in unique ways. So that's why I really like about them. That's why I made the comment that I did. I think you know you may look at one team and you may like their top three better than you like Michigan's top three. But then if you go to the top five or the top six or the top seven, I don't think they have the type of depth at that position that Michigan has. So very, very um, excited about this season and watching these young guys or this group go out there and do what, what they could potentially do. They can be, um, I think, one of the best groups in all of college football when it's said and done. Just because, I mean, it, it, they have so many different unique traits about them and they're all you know, very um, useful, very helpful in this offensive system. Completely agree with you. I mean, even guys like Christian Dixon, who we haven't seen a lot, are probably getting some run on other teams in the Big Ten. So just incredible depth there. Totally yeah. agree with that. Uh, next question we had for you, kind of going off of that. In your Heisman winning season, you were returning kicks and punts as well as being the bona fide number one receiver. You also ran the ball 13 times for two scores. Can you talk about the mentality it takes for a receiver to switch between roles like that and what that might look like for A.J. Henning, who by all accounts looks to be utilized as an all-purpose weapon this season? Yeah, it's, um, no, for me, it was, um, it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult uh, from the standpoint of what I'm doing when the ball is in my hands. Cause I was so used to having the ball in my hands as a running back in high school that it was like, okay, just let me get the ball in my hands. And I returned punts in high school. And so from that standpoint, it wasn't, you know, that much of a challenge. The challenge came when you had to do the little things like being out there on the perimeter and blocking, you know, stuff like that. And don't forget. Yeah. Back then, Michigan was three yards in a cloud of dust. Like, we didn't really throw the ball. That wasn't Michigan's identity. You know, Michigan had like a three running back rotation, and we're feeding the beast, you know, behind the quarterback. So um, I had to make an adjustment mentally as far as like being out there on the perimeter and learning how to block and coming in and crack blocking and all that type of stuff. Uh, but then once, like, Coach Gary Mullen, may he rest in peace, Gary started to, you know, open up the offense a little bit more and doing like the reverses and, you know, and going for it on fourth and one and things of that nature because he was more comfortable putting the ball in the air. And he became comfortable. I tell people this all the time. He became comfortable putting the ball in the air, not because that was just his personality. That's what he wanted to do. What gave him that comfort was watching us in the offseason in summer, in the summer when the coaches can't have access to you. So you're just working out with the strength and conditioning coaches. But once you get through with that type of training with those guys, what we would do, me, um, Elvis Gerback, um, Derek Alexander, Yale Van Dyne, Ricky Powers, like, you know, uh, Tim McGee, uh, McGee we, we would go out and we would work on stuff ourselves. And he's watching us. And he's like saying, okay, like these guys are, are, are hungry. Um, they're executing well. So then we took that into our camp. So once he saw how we were executing our passing game at camp because of how hard we worked during the summer, then that gave him the comfort level of saying fourth and one, Notre Dame, national TV, 
we're gonna throw the ball. You know what I mean? So that yeah. that's what led into those decisions because he saw how much work we put into it. And then when we came into camp, we weren't trying to get better. Like we came into camp in like um in mid-season form, so to speak. Well, it's all like you allude to like earning the trust of the coaching staff. And I think Absolutely. that is like definitely seen this year with the quarterback battle. And there's been uh, quarterback competitions at Michigan in the majority of the hardball years, whether highly publicized or less publicized. And you've probably been privy to several during your playing years, even though you mentioned Gerback was pretty well entrenched while you were at Michigan. How as a receiver do you process the competition? And what would you be looking for during that process to determine who you think is the best man for the job? Yeah, well, you know, we throw out the words like leadership, you know, certain intangibles, the, the way a guy, you know, carries himself, the way he handles the, the, the huddle and things of that nature. So you, you look at the, the obvious factors, like, you know, how is he throwing this pass? How is he throwing that pass? But how is he manipulating the screen? How is he manipulating the safety? Like just the little intricacies that starts to separate either good from great players or it starts to separate great from elite players. You know, this mental approach. How is he reading the defense? What's his pre-snap reads like? And these things always come out once you're watching film, because we would always say the eye in the sky don't lie. And so once you're watching film and, and you know, and you put on um, you put on the hot seat, uh, with a, the seat's hot if you can't answer the question, but when you, you, you're watching film as a group, and the coach asks you, what did you see right here? And you have to answer. Well, if your answer is on point, then you're not in the hot seat. You're good. But if, if your answer is kind of convoluted and you're confused and you don't, you're not seeing it clear, then you're on the hot seat. And then that's when, you know, the coaches and obviously your teammates too, they understand that maybe, you know, you're just not ready just yet. Yeah, it seems like Michigan's in a good position there with two guys that they really trust as well. So uh, I think yeah. no matter how it shakes out, I think we're all feeling pretty confident about it. Um, you were a member of three Big Ten championship teams during a run of unprecedented success at Michigan. After winning a Big Ten championship, but falling short of the ultimate goal of a national championship, what was the mentality of the team going into that next season? Did you approach things any differently after any of the conference champ championships? And is there any insight you can provide to what the mentality of this team should be in order to reach the absolute peak of the mountaintop and win a national championship? Yeah, well, I th it's, that's a really good question. And I guess my mind immediately goes to like just how different the game is now than it was then. So my mentality uh, dealing with that type of um, situation or maybe even adversity at that point would probably be slightly different. But I would say, listen, the foundation would still be the same. It's like, listen, we, we, we have this bitter taste in our mouth. By the way, the season ended. You know, if our goal was to win a national championship game, to win that championship, we didn't get there. So obviously, we want to keep striving to to be better, to do better, and use that as fuel. Use that as as the fuel to to drive you to work harder. Because now you know what it, you have an idea of what it takes to get there. You know you you can smell it. You didn't get there, but you smelled it. You know what the aroma is, and and you could almost taste it. And so now use that as fuel to drive that hunger, to take that next step. Now, in Michigan's case, don't forget, they lost a lot. They lost a lot. They lost both coordinators. They lost, you know, three. I think I'm comfortable enough saying three first-rounders on defense, even though, 
you know, Jabo didn't go in the first round because he popped his Achilles. So that's a lot to lose, uh, and, and, you know, a lot to make up for. I do believe offensively, though they're going to have a different play call. Well, I think it's going to be play calling by committee. Really, really curious to see how this works out, right? Because Josh Gaddis is now yep. in Coral Gables. Yeah. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how this offense – I think they got firepower. I talked about the wide receivers room. Um, I mean, of course, Blake Corm, Diamond Edwards. That's going to be a really, really legit one-two punch. Talked about the quarterback battle. I do believe they have two NFL caliber tight ends also. So they got a lot of firepower on the offense. Really curious to see how this play calling by committee is going to work. Yeah, completely agree with you. I'm fascinated to see how the play calling goes, especially with, uh, you know, Sharon Moore calling primarily the runs and then Matt Weiss calling primarily the pass. I don't know that we've seen anything quite like that. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll all be tuning in. Um, I mean, like you said, the, the firepower is certainly there. So I, yeah. I think that they've got the tools. Uh, Mr. Howard, thank you so much, sir. You've been working with Modelo, who's, uh, and I'm not just saying this, my favorite beer. I'm down here in Central America right now. And <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much my lifeblood. So you've been working with yes, Modelo sir. for a while. Can you kind of talk about what you got going on with them? Yeah, guys. Well, thanks for, for actually mentioning that because I'm glad it's your favorite beer. Um, you know, well, Modelo, we, 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 we joined forces a year ago. They helped me to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the punt return against, uh, against the Buckeyes. You know what I mean? So, and that, that partnership went so well that uh, we decided to run it back. So now this year, you know, it's about the, it's about the fans. So Modelo wants to celebrate the fighting spirit of the fans, not only just the, the teams, but the fans. Cause like we said, the fans, they, they drive the sport and they drive our show game day too. So the fighting spirit of the fans and, and um, it, it's going to be a, a contest. Now we're going to try to find the, the, the best, the number one full time fan, right? And that fan, whoever wins the contest, he or she is going to get a six figure salary and, um, uh, trip to LA for the national championship game. So, and then I'll be there, you know, I'll be there with game day. I'll get to hang out with the fan too. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. We appreciate what fans bring not only to, to, uh, to, to the sport, but I appreciate what they bring to game day. So I think it's a, it's a great full-time fan contest by Modelo. I mean, Desmond, you talk about hanging out in L.A. I'm I'm already on my way. I'll see you there when I win this thing. We'll get it wrapped yeah. up. Let's I'm, do it, I'm man. Quitting. Let's I'm... do it. Let's go. <laughs> you talk I'm about ready, being man. brewed for the fighting spirit. I have one last thing for you. Do, uh, I saw you on Twitter the other day on your bike cycling, getting the miles in. So yeah. how long till we start calling you Desmond Goggins around here? <laughs> <laughs> I love my man Go Goggins. That's, I like that comparison. Yeah, man. I've, I've been trying to, you know, I'm all into to health and fitness and um and wellness and um I, I i this listen my weekends are about to be really busy so i i normally ride on the weekends and yeah. so now yeah i gotta try to get these miles in while i can because um those opportunities are gonna be few and far in between uh coming up but i, I do like uh getting on my bike yes sir <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, you look like you're ready to go out there and snag some passes this year, man. If we, if we didn't have the depth we have, they might have to call you up. But <laughs> Good point. I like that. Good point. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, we really, really appreciate it, sir. This is an absolute honor and a pleasure for us. Uh, I'm totally quitting my job and getting in on this Modelo contest now that you told me about that. That's, that's my new plan. So thank there you so you much, Desmond. Thank oh. you, sir.
No, my, my pleasure. My pleasure. You guys keep up the great work and go blue. Go blue. <laughs>
I got to say a few things here. One, I'm so excited for college football coming back. This feels like the Super Bowl. Like, I am ecstatic about Northwestern and Nebraska. And also, just imagine how the loser feels in these games. Not only are you 0-1, you're 0-1 in week zero. Like, it hasn't even started yet, and you're already behind the eight ball. Like, it just shows the year is just going to be, like, raining shit on you if you're going to start the season off 0-1 in week zero. Yeah, that's a rough look, a rough look. And then to have to travel that far, especially for Nebraska, like you're traveling halfway around the world. And it doesn't make sense because like when I don't when I think of like Ireland, I'm like, all right, Notre Dame versus Boston College. Like, all right, I see what we're doing here or like or like maybe you just do something to just get weird with it. Like, all right, Georgia versus Tennessee in Myanmar this week. Like, all right, that's certainly weird. Why are we in Myanmar? But like. I don't get why they're in Ireland. I don't get why Nebraska of all teams is there. Uh, Nebraska's favored by 13 in this one. It's going to be really ugly football. I think even the fans of both these programs know this is going to be an ugly, ugly game. This isn't really how we want to represent ourselves to Europe. Now, tune in next. You're going to have Purdue, Oregon State from Jonestown. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> Very outrageous. I guess it's great to grow the sport internationally, as we've seen Michigan has done um, in off seasons by traveling around the like the world, going to Italy, going to Germany, a lot of different places for the experience and the exposure. It is outrageous. It is very strange, very weird. But I can't wait, man. Football is back this weekend. I'm here for it. I don't know that I'm going to set aside an entire Saturday while I'm down in Panama. I think I'm going to go enjoy the beach this week and wait till Michigan starts before I start uh, hibernating in for football days. <laughs> Your <But> miss. <laughs> You're lost. We got Wyoming at Illinois, baby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's such a weird slate of, a slate of games. Like you gave the lead to the next one. You have Vanderbilt at Hawaii if you want to scout Michigan opponents, as well as UConn at Utah State. UConn, you know, slight underdog at 27 and a half. <laughs> Charlotte at FAU, North Texas, UTEP, Nevada, New Mexico State. Of these games, which one, if any, are you like, you might catch a little bit when you're in from the beach? I mean, it's Northwestern versus Nebraska just for the spectacle of it. Like this is, I could easily see this game being something like 12 to nine or something. So 13 points, I don't really get, I don't know if they're going to score 13 points together. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what Nebraska, we covered them a few weeks ago. Like, I don't know what to expect from this team. Northwestern is just never had an offense that scares anybody. So like, if they're going to win this game, it's going to be a low scoring affair. I don't know. I guess they watch a lot of uh, European football over there. So they're used to like one nil games. So maybe this is going to seem exciting, but like that's a pretty poor product, but we get to scout Nebraska. So yeah, um, actually, I mean, there's three opponents playing yep. in week zero, three Michigan opponents, but Hawaii and Yukon, there's, you're not going to learn that much. The fact that Vandy's only favored by a touchdown at Hawaii is interesting. Vanderbilt's a, that's a power five team. But I think a lot lost of that their quarterback, though, lost their quarterback and traveling to Hawaii. Uh, that is the hardest, literally the hardest trip you can make unless you're playing uh, over. <laughs> so, so, yeah, unless you're playing somewhere in the Philippine Islands or something like Nebraska <laughs> Northwestern. <laughs> it is such a fun. It is. I love that college football is just leaning into the wackiness of it all. Let's let's go here. Let's do this. This is this is fun. Let's go over here. It's like got a got a tune-up game of North Texas and UCLA in Azerbaijan. I like, hope you can make it. 
<laughs> I hope they survive. Uh, security's going to be tight around there because there's talk of an insurrection. This is it's so funny. and hysterical. There's no better way to kick off the ridiculousy, the lunacy of college football fans and having these games. I'm actually really excited for Northwestern Nebraska, just it's Big Ten football. I'm weird, though. I look forward to, like, you know, the slums of Iowa, Illinois at 3.30 on a beautiful Saturday. So I'm going to be just right in my bag down in Asheville watching this game this weekend. I mean, there's some week one games that like most traditional uh, you know, humans and college football fans would think are just unwatchable. But there's some week ones that week one games that you and I are like sneakily excited for. But the week zero games, you've got to really talk yourself into them. Yeah, some of them are a hard sell. So I'm going to a bachelor party this weekend. So it's going to be fun talking to the guys about, hey, no, we can't go out yet. No, Nebraska, Northwestern and Ireland. Are you kidding me? You see the you see the forecast? <laughs> that's what i'm screaming bro like come on now like well i mean it is my wedding like i'm I'm sorry wyoming illinois buddy yeah congrats on the love do you see the casey thompson's at quarterback <laughs> i'm with you man uh all right we've had enough fun at their expense but uh some of the week one games though week one definitely does get interesting and we can talk about it next week too but we'll actually have one of our own games to cover but in week one there's actually some exciting ones um headlined by the Georgia at Oregon matchup. Um, but then there's some ones that like, I think people like you and me will enjoy Pittsburgh at West Virginia uh, next Thursday. Like that's kind of a cool one. Michigan state against Western Michigan. We've got to tune in there. It's a, it's on a Friday. It's going to be like one of the only games on Friday. So that'll be one that I'm sure we'll tune in for. So come week one, things get a little more interesting. Florida, Utah is a fascinating game week one. There's some really good ones. I love the Oregon-Georgia one because you have um, former Georgia defensive coordinators at Dan Lanning, Manning. The, he's now the head coach at Oregon. So he knows the ins and outs of the Bulldogs. That's a fun matchup. You have Billy Napier at Florida, what he's building there, going against uh, Utah, who's a, been a, a kind of a popular sleeper team to make the playoff. And they're led by Kyle Whittingham. You and I just respect for pretty much know the reason that I think he could kill me. I think he probably would, too. I think he'd probably kill you before he bought you a beer. Um, and then, obviously, uh, number two, Ohio State versus number five, Notre Dame, is going to be the nightcap. And, I mean, that's that's a big one. I think Ohio State's going to run him out, though. I really do. Oh, I'm never going to say those words because uh, I, you know, believe in higher powers like Michigan. So I'm going to say I think it's going to be a battle. I'm really interested to see what Marcus Freeman does with the defense. Uh, was a really good defensive coordinator there for years. So, no, man, it's going to be a fun matchup. And, yeah, as soon as week one gets here, it gets real. Well, if God is real and Catholicism is the cho- chosen religion, they should cover the spread. <laughs> That's all we want here. It's all we're asking. You know, just please cover the spread, and it's going to be good to get a nice glimpse of the Buckeyes early on in the year because, as like you know, as Michigan fans, the team we probably watch second most are Michigan State and Ohio State. Yeah, which is unfortunate because they're the teams like we hate the most. But know thy enemy, I think, is the the thought process there. Outside of those teams, like who's a team that you kind of begrudgingly like and will watch? Like outside of them. I, I always like the mystique of like cool home teams in the SEC, like LSU, of course, when Death Valley's at its peak, it's always fun to tune in. Kyle Field of Texas A&M is one. Honestly, Wisconsin as well. Like I've always like I, when I watch a Wisconsin game, like even with like conferences realigning, I know what I'm getting. I'm getting an old school Wisconsin game. It's going to be three yards in a cloud of dust. Paul Chris is a, a creative play caller at times. So um, I would say those teams off the top of my head would be some of the ones I like to tune into. 
Yeah, those are good ones there. Um, I mean, I'm a f- I'll always tune into the Red River rivalry. Um, but as far as just like a team, Oregon tends to have like interesting things going on there. Like they recruit well. The Autzen Zoo is a fascinating place to play. As much as we just dumped on Eugene in the front half, it is like it, it's the only thing there. So like it's it's kind of like how Nebraska is. Like this is the main event of the entire state when it's happening. So that's kind of cool, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's the exact same way. And uh, big 12 football as much as you're like, wow, it's exciting. I like defense. So I don't, other than red river rivalry, just cause it's obscene. I'll tune into that. But other than that, like big 12, I'm like, y'all don't play any defense. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of the same way with the big 12 kind of checked out. I don't watch a ton of ACC football as well. So like, call us snobs because we watch a lot of big 10 and we watch a lot of sec. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's going to boil down to. So, I mean, we're snobs, but we're also never far off. Very true. And plus the kickoff times normally work in our favor with Big Ten typically being at noon and then 3.30 games being the SEC games as it stands right now. Of course, of course. Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. When we come back, we've got uh, a little bit more superlatives. We're going to kind of call our shots here, uh, you know, right on the verge of the season. So uh, let's take a quick sponsor break. Support for Out of the Blue is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Their performance package, the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 10 million balls. Look, as someone who himself is not dissimilar from a noble forest state when it comes to the scraggly nature of their nether regions, I understand the importance of a good and a safe trim. And the Performance Package 4.0 has arrived and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. The Lawnmower 4.0, first off, the trimmer of the future and grooming. Dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight should you need a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose, Ear, and Hair Trimmer. Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in a free gift to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MNB20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. 20% off shipping and at manscaped.com. Use the code MNB20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, coming back. Uh, we're calling this segment Call Your Shot, sir. I mean, we've done some similar things that we always are asking for hot takes, tepid takes, lukewarm takes. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to lock some of these in right here on the verge of the season. So uh, I want to start it off here. Who on the Michigan offense is going to make an all-Big Ten team? 
Do you want me to go like boring or you want me to get creative? No, let's uh, let's workshop this together. Let's workshop this together. So who do we think first and second? We're not doing third team. That doesn't count. I've got an article coming out. Should be this week um, about you know what it what it what matters as far as like credentials and, and these awards. Third team is just probably not going to cut it. So first and second team on offense. Who's your locks? And then and then we'll do people that are really on the fringe. So give me your first lock. Uh, first lock is Olu Oluwatimi. Yep. Center. I mean, yep. I feel like I'm cheating. No, that is a complete lock. I mean, injuries. Obviously, let's just even remove injuries from yeah. the discussion. Yeah, let's let's not because injuries can obviously throw a wrench in anything. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I will follow that one up with Ronnie Bell. I, think I like it. I think that's a lock. Now, the only thing that might hurt Ronnie Bell is there's some depth at wide receiver in the conference, but a lot of it's at Ohio State. I don't see two of them making first team. So I think Ronnie Bell probably gets the other first team next to uh, Smith and Jigba. Yep, I, I like that as well. And I'm going to go with another one. My, my, my favorite player on the offense, Eric All. Lock him in. That was my next one as well, if you did not go there. Okay, really good one there. I'm going to go Zach Zinter. Might not be first team. There's some really good guards, really good offensive linemen play. But I feel pretty confident, like a second team. Um, he Maybe you could argue he's a fringe guy, but I feel pretty good about Zach Zinter. I like that one as well. That was where I was going next. And you're going to have the fun positional choice here in a second. So I'm going to go left tackle Ryan Hayes. I don't know if it'll be first team, but I don't. it's not going to be lower than second team. I think so as well, especially since for tackle, it doesn't matter if you're left or right. They just give it to tackles in general. Yep. So that means there's four spots here. I think he's one of the four best. Um, I agree with that. Can't really pick anyone else. That's a surefire guy here. Uh, Blake Corum would be my next one, but he's he's fringe because there's another guy that I also think on our own team that's going to be competing, but I'll go Blake Corum. Yeah, it's the Edwards Corm conundrum here where it's like, which one are you going? It's like you just can put like a, a slash because it's going to be one of them. I feel that confident. I'm with you. Uh, I think we have to probably move away from surefire picks into guys that are fringe now, right? That's probably. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. All right. All right. Who you got that might be on the fringe? AJ Henning. Because of the buzz surrounding him with him being the wide back position, like positionless offensive weapon, I think he has to be a fringe candidate here. I think so as well. Uh, we spoke with Desmond about him in the front half there. He's pretty high on him, as are we. And um, I think watching him in the spring game, you and I were both just like, man, they are really focusing on getting him the ball. And then you hear stuff like, you know, we're going to use him as a running back, kind of like that Debo Samuel thing. Look, if you have Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards, and you still feel the need to give A.J. Henning touches out of the backfield, you have a special player there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, do you have another wide receiver in this group? Cornelius Johnson would probably be the next one. Um, I mean, the dude put up, what was it, 800 yards receiving last year? I mean, he could easily do that again as the third wide receiver. So as much as this guy, CJ gets too much hate for, for my taste. So I think Cornelius Johnson is probably going to be security blanket number two behind Eric All, no matter who the quarterback is. So he could get some love there. Just some really deep group there at wide receiver. Did you see somebody else? Maybe one of the, the young guys? I think Andrell has to be mentioned here. He's worth a mention, but then so is Darius Clemens, who in the last uh, series of photographs that came out of camp was going up against Green and the number ones. It's true, but we've seen Andrell go off in a game like no other receiver has except for Ronnie Bell. So that's this one th case he has there. 
Sure, sure. I'm with you. Um, what about on the offensive line? Anybody else? I think right tackle, we're pretty much in wait and see mode. Yeah, wait and see mode. Keegan, you could put his fringe. Um, he's The weight drop, I think, is going to help him this season. But again, we're going to wait and see. The Big Ten's really deep in guard, so fringe is a good spot for him to be sitting at. So as well as, as, well as I'm I'm going to say it, quarterback. There's going to be there's going to be a place of quarterback here. It's I mean obviously it's something to watch. Um, a lot of people have done their rankings of the quarterbacks, and most people don't have Cade in the top five. But I I think that's a little bit. I mean we'll we'll touch on it here in a second. I think Cade is going to be the starter, um, but. It's hard because of what CJ Stroud's locking up one of those positions. Um, I really, I really like what they have um, at Purdue. I think they're going to put up big numbers on offense. They won't win as many games as we do, but I think that statistically Purdue is going to have just a ton of offensive output. So that's a tough one. Um, And I don't know if we're going to have one guy starting the whole year that that will also work against them, I think. That's a good factor. You're probably right there, but it's like it's in the all the way the offense is, is constructed. I guess it works against a quarterback putting up numbers as well. But I still feel like a good season, even with a I I'm going to put it in air quotes game manager at quarterback, it's going to get you at least all Big Ten honorable mention or third team. Out of let respect, us, let us not forget that Tom Brady was considered the game manager when he was going up against uh, Stanton. So or not yeah. Stanton? Uh, excuse me, um, Henson. Henson. Yeah. Yeah, so no, it's going to be interesting because like we have, I think we have the the guys that are going to be in consideration all nailed down, and then pretty much anybody else you can have like okay, I could see the case, but being on the fringe here, being as deep as the conference is, especially on offense, can be very very tough. Yeah, and I think I like the rankings as far as my certainty of Olu one, Ronnie two, Bell three. You might be able to switch all and Ronnie Bell, and in fact, that would be the one that I would switch just because I think Eric All is the best tight end in the big 10 yep. this year. Um, and Ronnie Bell's got to go up against Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison jr. And those cats and just Purdue's going to throw the ball a ton. So um, yeah, I, I, I really feel good about those guys. And then I think Zinter's probably second team. Hayes probably second team could sneak onto first team. And then one of Cormer Edwards is getting on some team. Correct. Yeah. I think that's the right order the way we orchestrated as well. But I think, yeah, all up to two is the one change we'd make. All right, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. I will go first. I think the lock is Mozzie Smith. Uh, probably yeah. probably a first-teamer. Yeah, probably a first-teamer. I'm going to go another lock. I'm going DJ Turner at corner. I like Pro- it. Probably a first-teamer. I like it as well. Uh, linebackers, there's some strong linebacker play in the Big Ten this year, but I still think Junior Colson is so important to what we got going on. And like, this could be a guy that is maybe one of our better pass rushers. Like we still don't know who our number one pass rusher could be. Is it maybe that they're, they're rushing junior Colson more? Like we've seen that in years past, like when Devin Bush was there and uh, Cam McGrone's first year where that's our primary pass rusher. I don't think he'll be our primary, but four and a half, five and a half, six sacks from Colson. He could easily get to first team. Yeah, I, I could see him a little, little lower there, maybe around three. The defense doesn't blitz nearly as much as it used to, and especially with how he's gotten better. I think he's going to be utilized differently, but he has improved as a pass rusher. I think it was it was the Penn State game. He had a big sack. He had a big play, so he's shown the explosion and know how to do that. Uh, defensively, as far as other locks go, I'm going to just put out one of our safeties and I'm going to go with our boy Rod Moore. I think for a first or second team, but that's maybe the last player I feel comfortable saying that with. 
I think so too. He's going to be a fringe guy and that would be awesome in your true sophomore year to be even first or second team. And I think that it takes a, uh, it probably takes a, a true football watcher, somebody that actually knows a little bit about the game. You don't have to be a savant, but to see what Rod Moore does, I think you actually have to know a little bit about the game because he's out there calling plays. He's getting everyone into position. He's never out of position himself. So, I mean, it's little things. I don't think he's going to have four interceptions or anything. I don't think he's going to have uh, a ton of pass breakups or fumble, forced fumbles or anything, but he, I just think he's going to be awesome, solid. Yeah, I, I do as well. And like the defense in the Big Ten has taken a, like a step back. Like there's a lot of unknown variables and having a known commodity like Rod Moore makes me feel a little bit more comfortable placing placing him here. That's a great point. The Big Ten overall did take a bit of a step back defensively. I mean, there's still a, a lot of teams that are going to be in the top 25 defensively, but just numbers wise, it's really more that offenses have improved than defenses have taken a step back and the game has shifted to more of an offensive game. But that's a discussion for another podcast. Um, I'm going to throw Jamon Green on there as a potential second teamer, a guy that uh, really, really getting some positive buzz. Like potentially, is he the number one corner? And it's not DJ Turner. I'm not there yet. I'm still a Turner believer. Um, I think it's just some some camp stuff where Cade and JJ are probably smart enough to know don't test DJ Turner. So Jamon yeah. Green's probably just getting tested more in camp. But like that's awesome. This could be a Jordan Lewis stribbling type of situation where Jamon Green's getting tested a lot and his ball skills are really going to shine. So you picked uh, Mike Sainer still to break the interception record. I think it would be Green if it's anybody. And if he does, then there you go. That He's on an all Big Ten team for sure. Yeah, excellent segue to my, my fringe guy here, Mikey Sainer. So if I'm putting out the bold claims of his interceptions, then I got to ride him all the way through. Like no half-ass measures on my end here. No, you got to. You got to ride with your boy. Uh, this is one thing we kind of disagree upon. He's still splitting snaps equally at this point. Uh, just came out this week. He's starting now to do a little bit more with the defense, but I can't quite go all Big Ten guy if they don't even really know how he's going to be utilized yet this year. Although I, I do agree with you. Like clearly his spot should be as uh, the slot, you know, the nickel. I, I yeah. think I think he should be covering their fastest slot guy every single time. And I think he could do some great stuff there, but that's, that's a bold prediction. So when we get to bold predictions in a minute, I can't wait to hear what you've got. That's bolder than that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, other guys here. Now there here's where you get into a giant list of names that could easily be second team or first team. We just don't know yet. And that's the pass rushers. Like we just don't know. Like Mike Morris would probably be the first one to mention. Cause that's the first one they mentioned, but you and I are, are just a little bit down on him as being a big sack guy this year. But I think like, as far as like a stalwart, a guy that really controls the edge against the rush and probably has uh I don't know, 12 and a half to 15 tackles for loss, which would be awesome. That'd put him right up there with the Winoviches of the world. I could see something like that. I just don't see 10 and a half sacks from Mike Morris. I don't either. Like you said, there's a long list of names. So you go with the Jalen Harrells. You could like try to project in the Kai Hill green season. RJ Moten feels like one of the safer ones here, but there's just mm. a lot of names to be tossed out. Chris Jenkins as well. So I think it's a big fringe category, but definitely not as much like potential, I, at least defensively that I see as compared to offensively for guys that could make the all conference team. I'm with you. Uh, I'll throw RJ Moten on there. I think that's actually probably a little bit better of a pick um, just because of the amount of names there. Like for all we know, Welshoff ends up being the guy. We just don't know. Like we have absolutely no idea. Like you're high on Harrell to be the sack leader. If he does get the 10 sacks, put him on there for sure. Absolutely. Like he's like, 
you and I have talked about him ad nauseum, and not to mention uh, Anoma, the unknown commodity here. So, yeah, the biggest unknown commodity, and a guy that you know it, it's so interesting. This is where you really got to love the schedule because a guy like that's going to get some time to get used to the defense, which he's going to need desperately. But if he's just allowed to come in there and pass rush, he could really rack up stats. I mean, there's not many people that one-on-one there's not many tackles there's certainly not many running backs that are going to be able to stop this guy just in a one-on-one pass rush yeah yabi Noma for uh listeners that have not been keeping up with some of the offseason stuff comes to michigan with a, a troubled history of transfers seems to have righted the ship at ut martin the last two years the sack leader in the conference i believe last season a uh, former five-star prospect that went to Alabama, the 49th highest rated recruit in the history of 24-7 sports composite rankings. So a big, big time get. Um, played for Biff Pogge at St. Francis uh, in Baltimore, same place Corum played, Derek, Green, uh, Derek Moore played, Nikai Hill Green played. And uh, so his former head coaches on the staff, Harbaugh then recruited him heavily in 17, so there's a history there. And if this guy hits – he hits massively. So that's a guy to watch this season. Did we not talk about him last week? Did that news come out after we recorded? Came out, I think came night of. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, you're absolutely right. Well, I'm glad that you went back and explained some of that. Yeah, we definitely needed to touch on that. I mean, it, you can't be mad. There were some people that were just like, oh, I don't know, like bringing this guy in. Like, what's the point? Like, what's the point? He's the 49th <laughs> highest ranked recruit ever. The point is to bring talent to the team, especially at a position where we don't know who our leading pass rusher is going to be. You get this guy 11 times out of 10 if you can get him. It, following 2020, I would have been very hesitant because of the culture and just the question marks about his like character and, and things like that. But after last year and what the culture of this team is now and how it just feels impenetrable and Teflon, uh, 12, 50 times out of 10, you bring him in here and you see what you can get. So I know. I love this move. I love the boomer bust potential. Yeah, what's the downside? Like, there's no way this guy comes in and ruins the culture of a Big Ten championship team. Like, it'd be a little better if we still had Hutch there, but there's Mozzie Smith right there. I don't know how vocal of a leader Mozzie Smith is, but, like, that is a dude that nobody is going to mess with. Mozzie Smith's the scariest dude in college football, arguably. Also, Mike Elson, what he got out of guys at Notre Dame, he's been doing this for way too long. Like, he understands, Pogi understands, Harbaugh, like, come on. Like, not their first rodeo. So, this is uh, such a wild card for this team. It's now the biggest wild card on the team, I would yes. say. Like, I mean, it, Edwards, Henning, and then this guy. Like, I, I don't know which one, but it's probably Anoma is the, is the number one wild card. Like, if this guy, if you can play him 60 snaps on the year and, like, he's a really good pass rusher, which I can say confidently he is good at rushing the passer. <laughs> now, whether he has, like, the, the arsenal that Hutchinson had, he certainly does not have the, um, the football IQ that Hutchinson had, but few do, especially, you know, this at this point in his career where he's moved around so much but athletically he immediately becomes the best athlete on our defense except for mozzie yeah and coming in as well it's like you don't need him for the first three games if he hits you need him for the ohio states the michigan states big 10 championship and beyond that's when you need him for so it's like this is just a win-win you have the first three weeks to ease him into the system let him go out there see if he can eat and again if he hits it's just such an such an easy win for this team Champagne problems, my friend. Champagne problems. All right. Uh, next segment. Give me a room temperature claim. We're going to work our way up here. Give me a room temperature claim and explain yourself. 
Uh, room temperature claim. I wrote an article a few weeks ago about a bold take. It's really not that bold. I feel very confident Donovan Edwards is going to be uh, the, I believe it's the 10th Wolverine of all time to have 1,500 combined receiving and rushing yards in a single Michigan season. I feel very comfortable about it. And as more time passes, like all things healthy and equal, he's going to achieve this. Uh, kind of stole mine there because my uh, my hot take from the offseason was that there's going to be Heisman buzz around Donovan Edwards somewhere around week four or five, like early in the season. Um, it'll probably taper off as some other people really start to explode and our our challenges uh, start to increase. But yeah, that was similar to mine. Um, I'll go another room temperature claim. I had a dream about it the other night. Cade McNamara is your starting quarterback. It's about as room temperature as it gets. The uh, Big Ten winning quarterback is going to return and he's going to hold on to his spot. I, th- I just think they're going to value the fact that this is a really good offense. Don't handicap yourself. And I'm not going to talk myself into thinking like I'm more excited about Cade than JJ. I've made my thoughts clear on that. I was way more excited to see JJ just because he's a ceiling raiser. But at the same time, like how can you really get down on Cade McNamara in another year in the system? By all accounts, he's gotten a little bit more accurate, which was one of the things we pegged him on. Uh, we dinged him on a little bit. So if he gets a little bit more accurate, more time with these receivers, it's still a good thing. Like you've got an awesome, awesome offense. You've got a Ferrari. Don't put a governor on it. That's that's the exact thing. So with Kate, if he does get the job, you still feel great about this. This is such a win-win for Michigan. It's the complete opposite of the Dylan McCaffrey, Joe Milton question just two years ago. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's up the temperature a little bit here. Give me a, give me a hot claim. Hot take. All right. Let me, is this the hottest one or is, oh, they're still scorching hot coming. Okay. I gotta yeah. Let's sc- do hot and then scorching hot. I got I got to keep my scorching one in the back pocket. Um, hot take. Let me go to the defensive side of the ball. Now I'm going to say Mozzie Smith lead, uh, leads the team in sacks. That would be a hot one. And I'm getting the double birds from him because I think I stole another. These aren't written down either. No, we did not write any of this down. Uh, mine was going to be a little different, but it's basically the same thing. It was that Mozzie Smith overtakes the Georgia and Clemson uh, defensive tackles to be an All-American. Oh, I, lo- I love that you and I are both super high on Mozzie this season. Yeah, you know, we absolutely are. I think that we kind of started out being big Mike Morris guys, and now we've shifted. The strength of this defense is right up there at front with Mozzie Smith. So uh, I'm fine with that. I, I gave you the double birds there just because I, <laughs> I like some variety, but I think we talked Michigan football too much together. Our takes are starting to blend together. I was go- I wanted to say the other one I was workshopping there along the defensive line was uh, across the four pass rushers, Mike Morris is the weakest link of the four. Ooh, I like that. I was going to throw something like uh, Julius Welshoff takes over Braden McGregor, and maybe I could have saved my Mozzie Smith one, and that could have been my hot take. Uh, I think I like Welshoff more than Braden McGregor right now. You ready for Scorching Hot? Let's go, Scorching Hot. Peyton O'Leary ties for second on this team in touchdown receptions. The mic is singed, sir. Peyton O'Leary has a ridiculous amount of buzz in camp. Apparently, he's a monster at 50-50 balls and is just coming out of nowhere in this like completely just annoyingly deep room. And I can say, I say this almost a little bit with confidence because I think he get like if he doesn't like get big time starter minutes, rotational minutes, I'm alluding to, he could get him in garbage time. Like the Dalen Baldwin, a couple touchdowns he got last year. 
Like I think he could steal some of those late in games, and I think he ties for second on the team. Let's go. That yeah. is scorching. Scorching. Hey, <laughs> O'Leary takes, baby. Hey, O'Leary. I'm definitely getting an O'Leary jersey just for drinking in. Like, this is yes. huge. This is huge for the Irish listeners. Uh, I've got a lot. I'm very much Italian and Irish myself. It's a pretty, pretty even mix. So, I mean, look, we're here for the Peyton O'Learys of the world. Yeah. I mean, there's a game in Ireland this weekend. Like, let's celebrate. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've got a couple here. Uh, first one. Uh, you are, you already said this one, so it can't be my one. We go into Ohio State undefeated. That is the first one. The second claim is Michigan has more players taken in the first three rounds of this draft than we've ever had in the history of the program. Ooh, that's sir. Pretty, that's pretty scorching hot. So you got to look at it like Mozzie Smith, Ronnie Bell, Eric All, potentially all first rounders, second rounders. I like all three of those guys. I feel pretty good about that. Whoever steps up as a pass rusher, that's four. And then you just need like one other guy. And that's probably DJ Turner. That's fun. I like that. I like that a lot. And and then obviously assuming like some of these guys skip their granted extra eligibility, but if both takes go hand in hand entering their Ohio state, you know, you leave that high. So no, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was saving that one. I was hoping you liked that one. All right, we're going to end on an extremely fun note. It's literally called the Fun Index. This is about as fun a note as you can end on. Uh, so where does this team rank as the most fun to watch of the Harbaugh team? So let's first go ahead and rank them where we have them right now. And I think we see this pretty well eye to eye. Yeah, let's, let, let's start from the bottom, bring it up, and let's say one memorable, nice thing about each team. The first one's going to be hard because without a doubt, the worst is 2020. Um, a nice thing easy. about this t- salt and pepper. Oh, that Michael Minnesota, Barrett. The Minnesota game. Yes. Yeah. The, the Michael Barrett hit in the Minnesota game. Yeah. Yes. That's it. That's a hundred percent. It's like the lone moment from the season. The Barrett hit the Donovan Jeter, the fat guy touchdown. What a, what a great day. All right. The second worst is 2017. I think we're pretty lockstep here again. Um, a highlight of 2017. A lot of talent on this team. Is that is that the Winovich ridiculous tackle for last year? Yes. And I, I this one I go again right off the bat. I go with the Florida game. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. Open up the season. Nico Collins looking like an absolute monster. Uh, Tariq Black, we're really high on him. Like at the moment, we were like, this is the best wide receiver core we've ever had. Healthy healthy Wilton Spade at the time. So it was a lot different team. Also, what was it? 19 and a half. It's coming out in my article this week. But Chase Winovich went off tackles for loss that year. I think it was 19 tackles for loss. Yeah, and entered the season as a nobody and just exploded. So, yeah, more potential for this year. Yep. Uh, all right. Next, uh, moving upward to mo- to more fun, slightly fun season, 2019 season. Um, not a great season, but a season that certainly had, you know, some redeeming qualities. Hassan Haskins hurdle at Notre Dame, uh, the app or the blowout of Michigan State and Mark D'Antonio's last game. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know if I can pick one there. I don't know. <laughs> That's a hard one because destroying Notre Dame in the rain and Hassan Haskins just being unstoppable. Obviously, that was like forecasting what was to come. We didn't know that at the time, but I think slight edge, slight edge to ending D'Antoni's, D'Antonio's career. That was, it has to be that one by a nose. Just 44 to 10. Shea Patterson was dominant in this game. There's no way around that. He was excellent in this one, just slinging the pill all over the field, doing what he wanted with it. 
But um, yeah, those are the moments that I remember from that season. I'm with you. All right, 2019 season. I've got next uh, memorable. That was 2019. Or excuse me. Oh yeah, yeah. 2019. Uh, 20. So we did 2017, 2019, 2015. We got next first Harbaugh year. A lot of good to take out of this year. There was a lot of good. But as far as a fun team to watch. It was kind of just built around strong defense and a lot of seniors being in the right place at the right time. It was a season of hope. Dad Rudock was taken over. You had the goal line stand against Minnesota. You had the triple overtime heart attack game where he threw six tutties against Indiana in the win. Just you had the, the game they should have won against Michigan State with the trouble with the snap memory, which you don't need to go into. But the team played so well that game. Um, it just felt like the tide was turning and Michigan became Michigan again. You go give it the bull win game here against Florida that year. What do you think for best moment? I, th- I think so because that put dad Brudock over 3000 passing yards in the season. And just like, this is a good case when a bull win matters, when a program yeah. is coming back from dormancy. Yeah. That 100% was a big one. You had to have that one or else 2016 doesn't play out like it does. Uh, next up, this is where things get tough and you could argue the next three. And I think that probably both agree that, uh, 2022 is going to fall somewhere in this range, but I've got 2018 next, um, just because it didn't end like it should have, but this is the most talented team that Michigan's had on the field. You wrote an article not too long ago with like the talent index and what we had on the field in 2018. Like, I mean, we've obviously had better teams that were more cohesive, but my goodness, was there a lot of talent in, in 2018. I hate to say this. I didn't even write that article. I just compiled all the information just in my spare time because that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the 2018 team was the most talented team at Michigan per like star ratings and everything balanced out. Um, I would argue this team had the second highest peak of any Michigan team besides beating Ohio State last year with the revenge tour when it was at its absolute peak of Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan State, all back to back to back in that time that run was just absolutely nuts yeah really Don Brown's what takes us down a peg here if we had anyone else on defense that knew something about shifting coverages I think that this ends way differently because the talent was absolutely insane we put a ton of guys in the NFL the offensive line was loaded I mean Karan Higdon back there going over a grand like there was a lot Devin Bush tearing up the field oh Devin Bush that's probably my moment that was that was That's- such a fun year, man. And this th- these these two here were so hard to rank because we go into our next one, and that's 2016. What's the first thing you think about from 16? Well, obviously the spot, but I mean, if we're trying to think about something positive about 2016, I mean, we were 11 and 0, or excuse me, 10 and 0 going into Iowa. Yeah, no, we were no. number two in the country. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever it was, we had Maryland in between them somewhere. But the uh, yeah, that season I think about blowing out uh, Penn State, who ended up going on to win the Big Ten, go to the Rose Bowl, forty nine ten. I think about this the ridiculous Jabril Peppers plays. Every time he touched the ball, he was a threat to score. I think about seventy seven to nothing against Rutgers. I think about the comeback against your alma mater, Colorado, and I think about the fourteen to seven game against Wisconsin that I was at. That was just a, a bloodbath back and forth that ended with the uh, Amara Darbo touchdown. 
Well, yeah, then that, the, yeah uh, that touchdown, then the interception. So I'll give a slight nod to the interception because I'm such a fan of Jordan Lewis. I'm such a fan of the secondary. So yeah, I mean, that's why 2016, there was just some moments where it was like, that was, that was clearly a monkey we had to get off our back was beating Wisconsin, you know, yep. and beating Michigan state. And like, it, it, we had to have these things happen. Got them done that year. Awesome year. Yeah, that was, that team was so good, really overachieved too. so much fun. And then, Obviously, we know what happened in Columbus, and the number one team here is just pretty much unassailable. It's yeah. last year's team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't need to describe it to you. You just watched it a couple months ago, uh, but the best moment, I also don't need to describe to you. Pretty clear. Uh, if we have to pick one play, I'll go the Hassan Haskins hurdle late in the game that pretty much you know, decided their fate against Ohio State. But I mean, just pick any moment in there. Rushing the field, awesome. Any moment you want, uh, I'm still partial to the Roman Wilson battle where they rip the rip the guy's helmet off, rip Roman Wilson's helmet off, and then Keegan and All and Haskins are coming over for the smoke. It was tremendous. It's easily number one. The only way 2022 could usurp this is winning the whole thing, like winning Good the much. national championship. But still, I don't know if any – no moment will take the Ohio State moment from last year because no other team's going to have the 10 years that we just had. I don't think that this goes below 2016 though, because you and I like see the floor as 10 and two. Very confident in that as well. I think that's the, I think that is the range like 2016 to 2021 in there. Like it's actually 2018. I'll put it there. I'll put that as the end of it. 2018 to 2021. Yeah, I guess like things could happen and, and it, like we lose against Iowa. Oh God, if we lose to Michigan state uh, and then <laughs> that would, that would set things probably pretty far back if we lost to Michigan state. Um, but I mean, as far as just like how fun this team is on paper, like, Man, I mean, I'm more of a defensive guy, and that maybe puts me in the minority that, like, I had a lot of fun watching Devin Bush, Chase Winovich, Josh Uche, Rashawn Gary, Maurice Hurst work during those times. I was like, where's the weak link? And this year, it's like, where's the star? But on offense, it's going to be so fun. It's going to be – honestly, you might come around on this defense as a whole just because, like, it could be anybody in any given week. Like, it could be a star of this game, a star of that game. So there's a lot of potential. But just from a culture standpoint, these past two teams have just been a delight and something you can't take for granted. I'm totally with you, man. So uh, if you had to place it, where are you putting it? Just behind 2021 because of how great last year was and what it did for the spirit? Oh, yeah. Right behind there. I'm putting it above uh, 18 and 16. I love – all. It's like first team all vibes, just like last year. We're going to keep riding that train. 100%. Obviously, uh, this ranking doesn't matter. No preseason rankings matter whatsoever. We're just kind of making our claims because we like to be right. And when we're wrong, <laughs> you know, we'll own it when we're wrong. I've been wrong before, like twice in my life. But yeah, happy, I still, happy. I, so I delete the podcast evidence. It's not out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some uh, there's some podcasts from preseason 2020 that you're not going to find about some of our claims. But look, it's not our fault that COVID happened. Don't blame me. Yeah, don't blame me and the fact that Don Brown was still there. Like, it's not my fault. I didn't employ the man. Don Brown is old. Should have been out of the game <laughs> years ago. Quick prediction. UMass football this year. What do you got? Uh, UMass football will win two games. I'm going to four. I'm feeling optimistic. <laughs> wow. Wow. If they get to four, what a monumental season. Feeling, uh, so let's tone it down a little bit. Three. Three. Three seems, yeah, let's split the difference there. Three wins for Don Brown. And the, uh, yeah, can't wait to see uh, how they do against crossing patterns. I don't think he's learned anything. 
Can't teach an ancient job, an ancient dog, new tricks. I'll never forget how excited we were that he was running zone coverage. Like, oh, look at it. It's zone. Like, it, it wasn't even zone. Like, he brought out bracket coverage, and everyone's like, bracket coverage? Oh, my God, what is this? And, like, yeah, it was Don Brown. Oh, dude, we nailed it. The UMass win total over under two and a half. Let's go. I don't even know their schedule. I just know they suck. <laughs> right again we are, sir. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, when we talk next, we're previewing week one. We're previewing actual football it's pretty much time, man. Like we gotta lock in. Let's uh, let's have our best work in front of us, which I know that we will have. Our content is not going to stop. In fact, should be just even more of it. We're still working on getting video out there. I'm down in Panama, can't quite do it yet, but it's coming. Uh, need to go get a facial, maybe work on my skin routine, get a haircut, yeah, something like that. There it is. There it is. Yeah, uh, you know, improve my improve my face if I'm gonna show it out there for the world. But we've got nothing but good stuff coming for you guys. And really, really cannot wait for this season, man. This is going to be as good as it gets. This is our sixth season together. And just like the king himself, Andrew Vastardis, it's going to be our best one. Let's go. That's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple Music, Spotify, anywhere it's available. You can follow us on Twitter at Mason Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.